There's no doubt that exercising and eating the right foods both have positive effects on your brain and mental health. We've discussed the benefits of both before on the podcast. But pound for pound, which offers more benefits for your brain and well-being? If you could only introduce one of these lifestyle changes, which is better for your brain? Regular exercise or a healthy diet? of Better Brain, Better You, where we are cultivating healthy brains and mental well-being at every stage of life. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Webb. How are you doing? I hope you're good and staying safe and taking really good care of yourself in these difficult times. Today, I want to compare and contrast the benefits for your brain and mental health of different types of exercise and diet. But before we start, If you're worried about your brain health and mental decline, I've put together a self-assessment that will increase your awareness of the risks that can lead to mental decline and dementia, just using a simple self-guided analysis of your habits and lifestyle and how these relate to your brain health. It's a quick and free self-guided assessment on ageing and dementia, and you can take it at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash age well. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash age well. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'll pin the link below. Okay, so I want to compare the effects of exercise and diet on your brain health and mental well-being. So let's start with their different effects on your brain cells and memory, both majorly altered by Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. So inside your brain, there are billions of brain cells and trillions of connections between them. They underlie everything that you do. Your sensations, emotions, memory, thinking, conscious awareness, and even your social interactions with other people. And it's the damage, degeneration, and ultimately death of brain cells in certain parts of the brain that causes memory loss and dementia. So we really want to take good care of those brain cells, and not just in the latter stages of life when we're typically most worried about brain health, but throughout life, because... The the degeneration of brain cells that leads to dementia happens decades before we see any symptoms or signs of mental decline. Dementia really is a silent assassin. But the good news is that we we know that exercise helps to delay and even prevent the onset of dementia. And one way it might do this is by growing new brain cells in one of the brain areas involved with your learning and memory, which is called the hippocampus. The hippocampus is heavily involved in the formation of new memories, which is one of the abilities that dementia takes away. An aerobic exercise specifically promotes a class of chemicals called brain-derived neurotrophic factors that can actually grow new brain cells. BDNF for short is a little bit like brain fertilizer for the brain. So if if you sprinkle BDNF on young brain cells in the hippocampus, they will start growing axons and dendrites that helps them connect with other brain cells and turns into into adult neurons. But while they're growing, these neurons are really vulnerable and they need stimulation to keep them alive in the form of learning. In the context of exercise, this learning can be to regularly play sports that involve complex movements, things like tennis, gymnastics, even playing golf. These sports that involve complex movements and concentration require you to learn them and then they then help these neurons to survive. 
And this growth of new brain cells through exercising seems to feed through to the overall size of the hippocampus, which is actually bigger on one side of your brain if you do regular aerobic exercise. This suggests a tantalizing possibility. Exercise could actually be a preventative measure for Alzheimer's. So what about the effects of your diet on your brain and memory, de- memory decline as we age? Well, researchers have begun to determine how diet might affect the brain. Generally, diets which are rich in plant-based foods consist of minimal saturated and trans fats and incorporate dark green leafy vegetables and berries are good for the health of your brain. And a growing body of research now suggests that nutrition and diet can promote the growth of new brain cells, but also protect them from damage as well. Some of the specific food types include cold water fish, flax oil, berries, eggs, avocados and kale. And if we just take a few of those to illustrate how they grow and protect brain cells... Berries of all kinds, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries and blackberries are bursting with flavonoids. And flavonoids promote the production and growth of new brain cells in the hippocampus, just like exercise. But blueberries can also forestall age-related mental decline and protect you against Alzheimer's disease by clearing the brain of the toxic proteins that kill brain cells and lead to memory decline. Eggs sharpen your memory because there are they're a number one source of choline, a nutrient that 90% of us don't actually get enough of, which is a precursor of acetylcholine, a brain chemical that plays a central role in memory. Low levels of acetylcholine have been linked to Alzheimer's. Kale, one of the most nutrient-dense vegetables in the world, is a good source of different B vitamins, which can dramatically reduce brain shrinkage in the part of the brain most affected by Alzheimer's. And healthy younger people are also seeing the benefits of a brain-healthy diet. A number of studies have now shown that the brains of healthy middle-aged people who faithfully follow a Mediterranean-style diet show less brain chinkage and accumulate less of the protein, beta amyloid, which is a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease, than people who did not stick to this diet. This strongly suggests that if you follow a Western diet, your brain actually ages faster whereas a Mediterranean-style diet protects you from brain degeneration and mental decline. So diet slightly has the edge here over exercise, but both are clearly incredibly beneficial for your brain health, regardless of your age. Okay, so how do exercise and eating impact your mental health? Well, we know that exercise improves and can actually prevent depression by boosting chemicals inside your brain. Most people go through periods of feeling down, but to actually be depressed you need to have persistent low mood for several weeks or months. And we now know that exercise can have a positive impact on all of the depressive symptoms, whether you suffer with mild episodes or more chronic forms that last for much longer periods of time. Exercise can impact on both types of depression by boosting your mood. So aside from elevating endorphins, which exercise definitely does, It targets all of the brain chemicals that we currently understand to be involved in depression. For example, exercise elevates a brain chemical called norepinephrine, wakes your brain up, wakes you up, and improves your self-esteem. Movement of all kinds actually elevate dopamine levels inside your brain. And dopamine, often called the pleasure chemical, improves your mood, well-being, and jumpstarts the attention system inside your brain. Exercise can also affect serotonin, which we know is incredibly important for your mood, your impulse control and your self-esteem. And in fact, most antidepressants target one or more of these three chemicals that I've just described. 
But antidepressants typically work by raising or lowering these individual chemicals or just a couple of them. But there isn't uh, an antidepressant on the market that targets all of the brain chemicals that we know are involved in depression. Whereas aerobic exercise acts on all of these brain chemicals, the neurotransmitters involved in changing your mood that make you depressed. So exercise, whether that's running, swimming, cycling, yoga, aerobics, gymnastics, whatever it may be, is naturalistic, is a naturalistic and very effective antidepressant. Exercise also produces calming chemicals inside your brain that help you reduce anxiety and worry. So when you experience anxiety, you might feel physically tense. The symptoms include things like you become jittery, short of breath, your heart starts racing quickly, you might have a mild panic attack. And in more severe forms of anxiety, you might even suffer with chest pains as well. And emotionally, you feel afraid, you feel fearful. They may be the feelings that you have, but anxiety itself is actually completely, a completely natural reaction to threats that might be out there in the environment. It activates the sympathetic nervous system inside your body, which activates the pituitary and adrenal glands. They go into overdrive during an anxious experience. But worry when there's no real threat there and you can't function normally when you're feeling this kind of worried state. Well, that's what we might classify as an anxiety disorder. The experience of anxiety shares very similar physical symptoms to when you're actually doing exercise. Also, when you're having an anxiety attack, you often misinterpret external signals. For example, in a social situation, you might be having a conversation with someone when you're in an anxious state and you misinterpret their facial expression, for example. So they may actually be talking to you and interacting, you, interacting with you in quite a friendly way. But when you're in an anxious state, you're in this kind of heightened state of fear. So you might misinterpret their facial expression as angry when actually it wasn't. And exercise promotes calming chemicals in your brain. They include things like tryptophan, the building blocks of serotonin, which we know calms our brain down and we know calms us down as well. And exercise also promotes an important and widespread brain chemical in your brain called GABA. This is a chemical that suppresses brain activity to try and calm your brain down. It's really the primary target in your brain of most anti-anxiety medicines that are on the market. So how can exercise help in of itself. Well, as I said, it's quite similar to lots of the physical symptoms you might experience with anxiety and it can help in the following way. When you exercise, it increases your heart rate, increases your breathing. So if you can exercise and experience those physical symptoms and come out the other side of that without having a panic attack, without having an anxiety attack, then you can learn that the physical sig signals actually don't lead to some negative consequence. You don't have an anxiety attack. So exercising can actually really help you to learn to manage those physical symptoms that you experience during an anxiety attack and overcome them and realise that they're not going to lead to danger and to threat. And you can become more comfortable also with your body getting into this aroused state because that's what happens during exercise and movement. Your body becomes aroused and you experience those physical symptoms. You can realise that arousal actually isn't noxious like you might have imagined during an anxiety attack or a panic attack. Exercise is a movement that can teach the brain to survive these anxious symptoms and can also help with reprogramming the misinterpretation of those social signals out there in the world that I mentioned earlier. 
So exercise clearly has a huge impact on two of the most common mental illnesses in the modern world, depression and anxiety. What about your diet? How does that affect your mental health? Well, diet is such an important component of mental health that it has inspired an entire field of science called nutritional neuroscience. What we eat matters for every aspect of our health, but especially our mental health. Recent research has shown there's a link between what we eat and our risk of depression. Eating a lot of fruit, vegetables, whole grain, fish, olive oil, low-fat dairy and antioxidants and low intakes of animal foods reduces your risk of depression. Whereas eating a lot of processed meat, refined grains, sweets, high-fat dairy, butter, potatoes and high-fat gravy, not eating much fruit or vegetables is associated with an increased risk of developing depression. It's not just that being depressed makes you more likely to eat unhealthy foods. Whilst that may well be true, eating a Mediterranean-style diet has been shown to reduce your likelihood of actually developing depression. So what should you eat? Well, plants, lots of them, including fruits and veggies, whole grains in unprocessed form ideally, seeds and nuts with some lean proteins like fish and yogurt. Fish is a proven mood booster. It can keep depression at bay, including postnatal depression and seasonal affective disorder. Major fish-eating countries like Japan and Iceland have low rates of seasonal affective disorder, in spite of their northern latitudes and long periods of darkness. The surprising source of serotonin, a brain chemical targeted by many antidepressants, which contributes to your happiness, is dark chocolate. It's a source of tryptophan, which is the building blocks of serotonin. So dark chocolate bars, cakes and brownies are a good source and don't need to be a guilty pleasure. They can be a brain healthy pleasure that boosts your mood. Avoid foods made with added sugars or flours like breads, baked goods, cereals and pastas and reduce animal fats, processed meats including baking and butter. Occasional intake of these bad foods is probably fine. Remember everything in moderation. So diet also has an incredibly important role to play in anxiety. In addition to eating a balanced diet, drinking enough water to stay hydrated and limiting or avoiding alcohol and caffeine, there are many other dietary considerations that can help relieve anxiety. For example, complex carbohydrates are metabolized more slowly and therefore help maintain more even blood sugar levels, which create a calmer feeling. A diet rich in whole grains, vegetables and fruits is a healthier option than eating a lot of simple carbohydrates found in processed foods. So when you eat, it's also important don't not to skip meals. Doing so may result in drops in blood sugar that cause you to feel jittery, which may worsen your underlying anxiety. The interaction between your gut and brain is also very important. It's about 95% of serotonin receptors are actually found in the lining of your gut. And research is starting to re- reveal the potential of probiotics for treating both anxiety and depression. Specific foods have been shown to reduce anxiety. So foods naturally rich in magnesium may help you to feel calmer. Examples include leafy greens such as spinach and Swiss chard. Other sources include leg- legumes, nuts, seeds and whole grains. Foods rich in zinc such as oysters, cashews, liver, beef and egg yolks have been linked to lower, lower levels of anxiety. Other foods that reduce anxiety include fatty fish like wild salmon, which contains omega-3, fatty acids, asparagus foods rich in B vitamins, such as avocados and almonds. 
These feel-good foods spur the release of brain chemicals such as serotonin and dopamine. They're a safe and easy first step in managing anxiety. So there you have it. What we eat has a huge impact on our mental health. Both exercise and nutrition seem to act in an analogous manner, operating as naturalistic antidepressants and anti-anxiety treatments by altering our brain chemistry to elevate our mood and control our anxiety and panic. So which is best for your brain and mental health? Well, the current scientific evidence suggests that exercise might be marginally better, but I suspect that is because the research field is not as developed as that on exercise. So regardless, you can be safe in the knowledge that incorporating one or both lifestyle changes into your life will undoubtedly have a positive impact on your brain health and well-being. Before we finish up, if you're worried about mental decline in your brain health, I've put together a self-assessment that will increase your awareness of the risks that can lead to mental decline and dementia using a simple self-guided analysis of your habits and lifestyle. It's a quick and free self-guided assessment on ageing and dementia, and you can take it at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash agewell. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash agewell. And if you're watching on YouTube, I will pin the link in the comments below. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Please do stay safe out there and I will see you next time.